Hello and welcome back. Come sit for a spell and join me round the cauldron to talk about witchcraft, polytheism, and the intersection of magic and mundane. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. If you didn't know, my name is Megan. Thanks for joining me around the cauldron. I hope you liked that new intro. If you've been here for a minute, I am experimenting with different intros and trying to find a better fit for the show, the podcast. Um, today is Halloween, so happy Halloween. Happy Samhain to those of you celebrating in the Northern Hemisphere. Happy Beltane or Bialtana to those celebrating in the Southern Hemisphere. Today is a twofer, I guess. That's not really the right word. But um, today's podcast is also the same as today's YouTube video. So if you're watching this on YouTube, today's episode is the same as the podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, you can watch this episode on YouTube. Either way, they're both the same today. So as always, many, many thanks to my patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, the YouTube channel, the podcast, the work that I do here, you can join me over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Round the Cauldron for as little as a dollar a month and get patron exclusive perks and content. You can also donate via Ko-fi or PayPal um, or even help support the show by buying something in my shop like this cute witch's hat that I'm wearing today. Podcast listeners, you're just going to have to look on Instagram for that picture. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you to all of my patrons over on Patreon. I have the list here that I read out because normally I do this not in front of a camera. So thank you, Christy, Jess, Hillary, Lee, Angie, Magical Crafting, Bliss, Beverly Butterfly, Jessica, Jennifer, Laura, Chris, Nad, Brittany, Jessica, Tia, Stephanie, Gordon, Lycan, Brink, Emily, and C. If you would like to have your name added to that long list of names, join me over on Patreon. Now, I know for the podcast, usually I have been doing a very long astrological forecast for the following month. We are giving my friend Adriana Morales a break, and we are just doing a smaller sort of what's coming for the month of November. Uh, the most important date in the month of November is November 8th, because that's my birthday, and I'm going to be 30. So, that's important. For me, anyway, I don't know if anybody else cares that it's my birthday. But uh, some other dates that we have coming up in November, uh, November 4th, we have a new moon in Scorpio. And then on November 20th, we have the full moon in Gemini. And and that's that's really it um, for me because I'm not an uh, I'm not an astrological person. I'm not an astrology expert. Or even novice at this point. Um, yeah, but let's move into the topic today. Because it's Halloween, it is Samhain, and I want to talk about spirits and spirit encounters and those ghost hunting shows and also a couple of haunted places that are either in my area or where I grew up or there was one other one. I can't remember. It's in my notes, but we'll get to it. Anyway, with it being Samhain, with it being Halloween, I figured it was necessary to talk about spirits because they seem to be at the forefront of our mind and spirits and our ancestors 
and the beloved dead, they all sort of come to the front of our minds at this time of year because it's Halloween and it's Samhain. So I want to talk about some encounters that I have had with different spirits. And what's really funny to me is that I didn't really have any sort of spirit encounters until I moved to Florida. Um, And if I did prior to that, I probably just sort of brushed them off as being something else, or I don't remember them, which is highly likely or possible because my memory is horrible. Um, But anyway, the first one will go in chronological order because this one actually happened in the city where I grew up when my daughter was about one and a half, two years old. And it wasn't necessarily my encounter so much as maybe hers. Now, most of us know that children, especially at that young of an age, don't have the social conditioning that the rest of us do or generally do as we grow up and people tell us, you know, ghosts aren't real and magic isn't real and fairies aren't real and all that stuff, right? So children are more open to those types of things. And there was one night we were laying in bed because we co-slept and um, all of a sudden out of nowhere, she just looks at the corner of the room and she stares at it and she's very focused on this particular corner and it was dark and um, I couldn't see anything. And then she starts laughing and she is just belly laughing, laughing so hard. And I'm like, what the hell are you laughing at? (laughs) There is nothing there. There's nothing in the corner of this room. I can't see anything. Um, Her dad can't see anything. And at this point we're both freaked out and our daughter is just laughing her ass off. And yeah, I had trouble sleeping that night. I didn't really feel, I didn't really feel anything at that point. Um, My life was very stressful around that time. So a lot of stuff had just sort of been closed off to me. I had just, I had more important things to worry about than my witchcraft practice and my paganism. Honestly, you know, if you can't, if you're not taking care of yourself and you got other things to worry about, some things just kind of get pushed to the back. Um, but yeah, that was, let's see, six years ago, roughly. And then, you know, we moved on with our lives and nothing else really happened while I, while we lived in my hometown, um, back in California. However, the very first night that we got to Florida and we got into our apartment, this was June of 2020. So recently, uh, the very first night, we all had a strange experience and we were all exhausted. There, it was like everything went wrong with that move and my dad was still stuck in Oregon. There's, you know, there was a whole issue around the moving truck and the company and it was a nightmare. And then getting to the apartment itself, the apartment complex was a nightmare and the people that were managing it were also a nightmare. (laughs) I should have known, right? So me and my then boyfriend, now fiance, were sleeping on the floor of our bedroom with our daughter and my mom was sleeping in her bedroom uh, away from us 
again on the floor because moving truck and nightmare we didn't have any furniture but um my daughter woke me up she needed me took care of that and uh, my fiance sat up and he was like why did you take my pillow where is my pillow and I look at him like what the hell is wrong with you why am I gonna take your pillow I didn't do anything she didn't do anything like you nobody knows where your pillow is and we're looking around and his pillow is not in the room like zero place anywhere his pillow is gone okay and so I'm running around the apartment one looking for the pillow and two looking for our cat because we can all hear her meowing and she is stuck somewhere but we can't find her nowhere to be found I go from room to room and open all of the cabinets, open all of the closets, open anything that can be opened. Bedrooms, the two bathrooms, everywhere in the kitchen. Can't find her. I can still hear her. So we get into the hallway and I open the laundry room door and she's not in there either. Me being me, I also check the dryer because why not? She's not there either. So I turn around and across from the laundry room, was the door for where our water heater and air conditioning unit were. And I had opened this door when we first got to this apartment and this door sticks and it makes a lot of noise when you open it. And I'm a mom. I am such a light sleeper that seriously, you could probably drop a pen on the floor when I'm sleeping and I would wake up. Ask anybody that lives in the house with me. But I open this door, it makes a loud ass noise throughout the whole apartment and out walks the cat because she was stuck back there. And on top of the water heater where the air conditioner is sitting is my fiance's pillow. None of us have any idea what happened. Is it possible that one of us were sleepwalking because you know we were stressed out and we just don't know what happened? Maybe, but the only person in the house that has a history of sleepwalking is me. Haven't done it since I was a kid. Um, so, you know, I have no idea. But that was just the beginning of the different experiences that I had in this apartment. So after that, we all went back to sleep. And it's a story that I tell to basically anybody that will listen because it's hilarious. Because, you know... Who the hell, (laughs) who hides a pillow in the closet like that, right? So over the course of living in this apartment, all of us had different encounters with different spirits or, or not necessarily different spirits because since living there, I only felt two different spirits and, um, One thing that would always happen is we would always see shadows cross in the kitchen. Now, my room in that apartment, my my desk used to face against the wall and out of my peripheral vision was the hallway and it was a straight shot from the hallway to the kitchen. Podcast listeners, I don't know if you can picture that in your head. I'm sorry if you can't. But out of my peripheral vision, I would always see a shadow walking across 
the light that we kept on under the stove um, in the kitchen constantly. And anytime anyone was standing in my room or in that hallway and it was dark, they would have the same experiences. And, you know, we don't really know who it was. Um, I have a theory that it was a child because there was another time when we were unpacking some boxes standing in the hallway and um, it was at the end of the hallway and then it opened up into the open kitchen and living room area. So I was standing right at that entrance, I guess, um, facing kind of the other direction. So my right side was facing the hallway and I'm talking to my parents and then out of my peripheral vision, I see something small run past me on my side. And I'm thinking that, um, my daughter like crouched down and is trying to run past me and scoot around me and just be silly. Right? So I do a full freaking circle trying to find her. And my parents start looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why are you spinning circles in the kitchen? I'm like, did nothing just go past me? Like I felt it move past me. And they're like, no, nothing's there. Okay, well, we have a child in the house that um, is is playing games. And um, yeah, I don't think anyone else ever saw or felt the child. I think it was just me. And it was strange, but whoever they are, they, they like to do little things like that and play games. Um, what else happened in that apartment? Oh, my fiance would always see an older woman with very long gray hair sitting in his computer chair. Anytime he wasn't in it and he would wake up in the middle of the night because he could like feel someone staring at him or something. He would see an older woman with really long hair sitting in his chair. I don't know if she ever said anything to him. I don't know if she ever even looked at him or anything like that. But that apartment complex was so active with spirit activity, which makes sense because we're in Florida and, you know, it's old and a lot of people have probably died in this area. Apartment complexes, I think, are probably more active anyway, just because there's a lot of people there. Um, But even the land itself, the spirit of the land, was just grumpy. I don't know if grumpy is the right word, but I had made offerings to the land, introduced myself, and I very much got the feeling of, like, we don't want you here. We don't want anyone here. Leave us alone you know, do not interact with us at all. That's it. So that's what I did. I respectfully kept my distance. I did not attempt to interact with them at all. I did my best to take care of the area that was ours. I picked up trash anytime that I saw trash walking to the parking lot or to the playground where all the kids played. But I very much left those spirits alone. Um, And yeah, that's basically the extent of spirit activity besides the usual deities and ancestors and stuff that I work with, or the ancestors most recently. Um, 
as far as like ghosts and hauntings and things like that, I think it's just more recently that I have been more open to that type of thing. So then I saw them more often. And it was really funny to see everyone else's reactions to what was going on in the house because my fiance is just like, it creeps me out. It freaks me out. I don't want it here. And I said, well, they have just as much of a right to be here as we do if they're not doing anything wrong. They were here first. <laughs> that's sort of how, that's, that's sort of my take on it, I guess. Like if they're not doing anything wrong and they're just, you know, being playful or existing here in this space, then just leave them alone. All right. So that's basically all of my spirit encounters. I like to tell those stories because they're funny and they really, especially the first one, it's very unexplainable or, you know, whatever. They're interesting. Um, But I want to talk about ghost hunting shows because uh, me and my mom, our guilty pleasure is watching Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans. And I have feelings about shows like that for a couple of reasons. Uh, so the interesting part about those shows to me is the places that they go, not necessarily the spirits they encounter, because I don't like a lot of the methods that they, they use to get responses from these spirits. Why do we have to provoke them? Why do we even have to bother them in the first place? (laughs) Like, I can understand if they're going somewhere and there's been a lot of activity and the spirits are hurting people or causing a lot of um, psychological or emotional damage, then yeah, I can understand moving those spirits out of that area or doing something to handle the situation. But I feel like if you're going to an area that is supposedly haunted and... You go in there and assert dominance and be very aggressive and provoking. Like, obviously, you're going to get bad reactions to that. If someone were to come into my house and started yelling at me and provoking me and being aggressive, I'm going to do the same back. And I feel like if these spirits or beings aren't hurting anyone, leave them the hell alone. Like, go into the place with respect and ask them, hey, you know, you want to talk to me? You want to, do you have anything you want to say? Any messages you want to share? Can you tell me what happened here? Whatever. Not locking Aaron in places with a lot of activity and the spirits feeding off of his fear, you know, because Aaron always gets locked in places all by himself and I feel for him. Um, yeah. Oh, also, with all of these shows, why is it always the witches or demons that are opening portals and letting spirits in or letting demonic entities in or letting, you know, a negative energy come in? Why is it always the witches? I can guarantee you that most of us aren't doing that. We have no reason to. Most of us, in my experience, are very respectful of the dead and the spirits on the other side. I would just want, for once, want it to be 
like something natural that happened and it's just a natural place of energy not oh witches did a satanic ceremony here and now there's a portal to hell it's not the witches quit blaming us i don't know if my thoughts on that are controversial i have i have no idea but do i continue to watch the show yeah i haven't watched it in a while though uh, I think I mainly just watch it because it's interesting, but also it's a time that me and my mom spent together. and This is just what we watch. Um, I'd really be interested to hear what other people's thoughts are on that subject because I know there are some witches or magical practitioners who are also paranormal investigators. And I think there's a difference between... People like um, Zach Bagans who have ghost adventures versus actual paranormal investigators. I think there's a difference because shows like Ghost Adventures, I don't mean to keep calling them out, but it's just the most popular one that I know. Um, You know, they have to be dramatic. They have to be cinematic in order for them to be on TV and get views and ratings and whatever. So, I mean, maybe that's why they do all the provoking and they be aggressive and assertive in ways like that. When paranormal investigators don't, maybe they go into it in a more respectful manner. I'm not sure. I know um, J. Allen Cross is also a paranormal investigator. Maybe one day I'll have him on to talk about being a magical practitioner as well as a paranormal investigator. I think that would be a really interesting conversation. Um, anyway, that's that's basically my thoughts and feelings on ghost hunting shows. Is It's disrespectful to be aggressive and provoke the spirits that are there, and it's not always the witches and the demons that are causing the problems. The last thing that I want to talk about for this particular Halloween Samhain episode is a few different places around the world that are haunted. I've got my notes here because, again, normally I wouldn't be in front of a camera for this. Um, okay, so I got I grabbed three different places. One is a place that I will visit someday because it's in my area or within driving distance. Um, the other one is a place in my hometown. And the last one is a place that I have actually visited. So the first one is um, the Castillo de San Marcos. Marcos. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it's in St. Augustine, Florida, and I do want to visit it one day. Um, the link for where I got this information will be in the description and in the show notes for anyone that's interested. But it says, uh, the Castillo de San Marcos is a former military fortress that's infamous for some of its battles. Some say the spirits of Spanish soldiers still defend the 17th century fort. Others say a light shines from a fixture in one of the watchtowers that has no electricity running to it. The spooky accounts also include one Spanish soldier in particular who stands at the edge of the fort looking out to sea just when the sun is about to rise or set. And then there's the dungeons where many people have reported the feeling of cold hands touching them. Others say they just felt cold in general while walking through it. 
Visitors to the fort say they've shot videos and photos of glowing orbs, misty shapes, and even some shapes resembling bodies. That place is within driving distance of me, less than four hours away. One day, I will go there. One day. <laughs> Eventually. I mean, I live in Florida now. It's not that far. I'll get there. Um, maybe I'll bring everybody along with me and vlog about it. The next one that I want to talk about is a place in my hometown, Bakersfield, California, where I have never been inside this building, but this building is famous, I think. Um, it's been on the Long Island Medium with Teresa Caputo, and it's been on the news, and it is the Padre Hotel. So according to Travel Channel, the Padre Hotel in downtown Bakersfield first opened its doors in 1928, and the Spanish colonial revival structure has been the settling the setting for a series of deaths and related tragedies through the years. According to local archives, examples include a woman jumping off the building's roof, a man killing himself in a bathtub, and a love triangle resulting in a deadly shooting. Legend has it that the Padre Hotel now hosts shadowy figures that roam the eight-story historic landmarks hallways, possibly victims from a fire in the 50s. And what looks like a little girl's ghostly handprint on a pillar in the lobby that won't go away even when it has been cleaned or painted over. I have seen videos of this handprint. Um, it is on that episode of Long Island Medium with Teresa Caputo. It is also in the news. I have a news clipping um, or a video from the news in Bakersfield I'm going to put here for your viewing and listening pleasure. Well, it just wouldn't be Halloween without a little ghost story. Yeah, 23 ABC's Christine Dinn tells us about Bakersfield's own haunted hotel. Here at the Padre Hotel, once night falls, glitz and glamour transform into ghosts of grandeur. As guests sometimes see and often hear the giggles of ghostly children. Uh, there was a fire up on the seventh floor. Uh, people got trapped up there and died up there. And then in the earthquake, there was some damage down there, down in the basement, that uh, a couple people got trapped, some children got trapped down there. While the tragedies are long gone, the ghosts remain, especially of a little girl dressed in white. Several of the housekeepers have said um, when they're up here like vacuuming the floors or working, they'll feel like a presence and they'll kind of look and several of them have seen a little girl like in 1920s or 30s clothing with like a hat and gloves kind of just resting on the banister and watching them. You catch her out of the corner of your eye, she giggles and runs down the stairs. But she's not afraid to make her mark on this wooden panel at the hotel's cafe. So here is the handprint. In this region, um, we've tried painting it, we tried sanding it and revarnishing it. Um, but as you can see, every time we try and do something to get rid of it, it just pops right back up. Although the entire hotel is said to be haunted, there's one floor that seems to have the most ghost encounters, and that's the seventh floor. Particularly room 704. I walked through, like, towards the bathroom, and I could just see when you just feel like something's behind you. So I turned around because I felt like someone was in here and there was nothing. So then I continued to walk around and I heard rustling like something was moving behind all the curtains. So once I turned around, there was the curtains were completely still and there was nothing in here. Was it the little girl or the hotel's other ghostly guests? 
We dare you to see for yourself. <laughs> Reporting from the Padre Hotel, Christine Din, 23 ABC. Now, I know I've never been to the Padre itself. I have driven past it. I have probably walked past it, but I've never been inside it myself. I never really had reason to. Um, once it was restored, it was very much out of my price range and not really my style because now like the bottom floor I think is um, a very fancy formal restaurant and then you know they've got the rooms and everything there too. But it's really interesting that a place like that exists in my hometown. The last place that I want to talk about is Astoria, Oregon. Now this one we first heard of because of Ghost Adventures when they did their Graveyard of the Pacific series. And we were going on a vacation anyway. I actually think I still have a vlog about it from like three years ago or something on the channel somewhere. Um, we were going on a vacation to St. Helens in Oregon for Halloween because we were going to Halloween Town. St. Helens is where Halloween Town was filmed. I believe that's also where we saw Bella Swan's house from Twilight. And I don't remember if we saw the house from the Goonies, but they're all in that area. But then we figured, you know, we're kind of close to Astoria. Let's go see Astoria. And me and my mom, after having already watched the video, we knew what was going on there. And we knew, we knew what the area was about. So I want to read this to you from um, a website that uh, does tours of these. Because believe it or not, Astoria, Oregon has tunnels running underneath the entire city. Says Astoria, Oregon is a coastal city in Oregon that was built above the water due to coastal tides. In 1922, the entire business district of Astoria went up in flames, burning more than 30 city blocks. It was quickly rebuilt, but that fire still haunts the town today. Below the sidewalks of Astoria are a series of tunnels, small crevices that have been closed off to the public for years. If you want to see what some of these tunnels look like, the Ghost Adventures crew did an episode, but these tunnels are said to have been Shanghai tunnels, built to transport goods from businesses to the ports next to the river, but rumors have it that it also transported people in human trafficking rings, selling men to ships for work. Many people died in the Astoria fire, and many people have also died while waiting for their ship to arrive. Going into this place... And I don't know if it was biased because I already knew that the tunnels were there, but walking over the sidewalks in Astoria when we walked downtown Astoria was an interesting experience. And being there felt heavy. And again, I don't know if it's because I already watched the Ghost Adventure show and I knew that there were tunnels underneath or if it's because I was picking up on the heaviness of that energy from the fire, from the people who might have died down there waiting um, to be sold to a ship for work. I don't know. Um, there are a lot of other places in Astoria, like a lighthouse that can't be moved. Um, I don't remember why. I'll try to find a link for that and include it in the show notes and in the description. But 
If you ever get a chance to go there, I recommend it. Not even just for the tunnels and the experience of going there. It's a beautiful little city. Um, we had dinner on the river and it was just, it was great. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I know not everybody enjoys spirit encounters and spirit stories and spirit talk, but I don't think I had ever told that pillow story on YouTube or on the podcast at all. And I figured it was about damn time I did so. So again, if you want more information about the places that I talked about today, I will leave links in the description and in the show notes. I hope everyone has a happy and safe Halloween if you're celebrating and trick-or-treating and, you know, dressing up. Um, I hope everyone has a blessed Samhain and may the light of your candles guide your ancestors on the other side. Bye for now.